you? I am Michelle Gifford. Hey, I'm Sarah Allred. We are the girls behind Women With Fire, and we specialize in building influencers. Welcome to the podcast. Listen as we chat with influential women who feel guided by the divine to build empires of truth at home, in business, and abroad. The goal here is to empower you to grow your influence everywhere. Join the nation of women who get things done at thewomenwithfire.com. All right, you guys, welcome to another episode of the Women With Fire podcast. We are so thrilled to have Morgan Jones with us. Morgan Jones is a web producer for DeseretNews.com for faith and family sections. Um, She began writing for Desert News as an intern in 2014, and she has since published more than 350 stories. Um, She is a passionate storyteller and loves having the opportunity to share stories that deserve to be told. And Morgan, you're kind of one of my favorites, and so I'm so glad that you're here. Oh my goodness, that's so nice of you to say. (laughs) Well, I I don't know if you know this, but I did have a stint uh, writing for the newspaper at BYU, so... It's fine. I, the so Daily basic, Universe? Yes, absolutely. I'm basically I'm basically a newspaper writer. <laughs> you are. You are. The Daily Universe. We, we all uh, had a little stint there at BYU. Yeah, I you think. have to, right? I did PR. <laughs> I did PR, so they made us write for... Hey, so did I. Oh, you did? Yeah. See? And just one more connection. Your nickname is Mojo, right? Yeah. That was my nickname in high school. Stop it's fine. It. I'm not going to stop it. It's true. We're like the same person. <laughs> Except you're actually writing for a newspaper. And, and you're but awesome, you're so. hosting a really cool podcast. That's so. true. That That is true. So basically the same. <laughs> so we are both mojo for throughout. Actually, no one's called me that for a while, but it's fine. Um, I think we should bring it back. Okay. Let's bring the mojo back. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you already stole the Instagram handle, though. It's that's that's true but i do have like four digits on the end of it i think mojo might actually be kind of a common nickname but well because it's morgan jones right right yeah my maiden name's johansson anyway we digress but um (laughs) we're very connected (laughs) that's what this is all about so morgan i want to know your backstory so i you you weren't a journalist major but tell me about how you got to desert news So this is actually, it's a funny story because at one point in the middle of this story, I thought, what is happening? (laughs) Uh, I I served a mission right after I graduated from BYU. So I went on my mission when I was 23 and kind of left with this thought of like, okay, I'm going to do this and then everything will fall into place, which I think is what a lot of people think about going on a mission And so I left on my mission in 2012 and got home and I had already graduated and I graduated in PR. And so I took a job doing PR for a charter school up in Kaysville, Utah. And it was just a really bad situation. So about three weeks in, I realized that the director of the school was kind of dishonest and so she would say like tell this person this and I was like I can't tell them that that's not true and so I felt super uncomfortable I'm like this recently returned missionary (laughs) and 
so like three <laughs> weeks in, I was like, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. And so I started looking for different things. And it just so happened that Deseret News was looking for an intern. And I had already done three internships in college, all were PR internships. But I always say if it weren't for my desperation, I never would have taken another <laughs> internship because I wouldn't I wouldn't be humble enough to do that. But because of my situation, I took this internship and I have been here ever since. And so it's funny because when I was at that school, I remember thinking, okay, Heavenly Father, this is not the way that this was supposed to play out. And it's pretty amazing to me to see how I ended up somewhere I never would have imagined because he had to work things out, right? And so I think that's it's a, been a great life lesson for me to recognize that sometimes we just have to give Heavenly Father time to work things out. Absolutely. So tell me about that transition because PR is not the same as journalism writing. So, right. I mean, it obviously crosses over, but so how did you transition from, from like, you know, being PR into journalism? So I always think it's really funny because when I started here, I didn't know very much about journalism at all. So like a nut graph, like my editor would be like, you need to have a nut graph in this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I have no <laughs> idea what a nut graph is. And I probably should have known that from the Daily Universe. I just probably wasn't paying attention when yeah. they taught that. But I, I actually worked at BYU in athletic communications all through school. And they did give us some opportunities to write. So we like wrote for the football program and... I, I knew that I loved writing. And so honestly, I probably would have studied journalism. But when I was in school, everybody said there are no jobs in journalism right now. And I was like, well, why are you going to study something that you can't find a job in? <laughs> so it worked out great that I ended up here. But I think as far as the transition goes, it's interesting because I think a lot of people think of journalism and they think of someone just sitting at their computer typing a, a story and they don't think about everything that leads up to that story being written. And so there actually is a lot of PR that I feel like plays into my job as far as gaining trust with people and recognizing the things that you should do in your interactions with human beings. And I think that a lot of times people don't think about that, that aspect of journalism. So that's one thing that I feel like I've been able to bring into this is the, the public relations knowledge actually has helped me a ton as far as how to interact and build trust and to represent people honestly and transparently. So yeah. I, I love that. And I also, I always say that PR taught me to write because you write a lot in PR, at least. Anyway, I, so I love it, but it, it is a difference in journalism. So can you talk to us about like kind of what goes on before the story is written? Like what does that process look like? So it is not as glamorous as you would probably <laughs> imagine. It's really funny because a lot of times people will say, how do you get in contact with these people? And I'm like, well, I find them on Facebook and I send them a message and I say, I'd love to write a story about you. And sometimes they're nice enough to say yes. So it's not like there's some kind of silver bullet 
as far as getting in contact with people. I wish that there was. It would make everything a lot easier. But basically, we find our stories just a lot of times through word of mouth, through social media. I mean, there are still situations where we get a press release and we're like, oh, we should write something about that. But I would say the majority we find just in everyday life. The two most read stories I've ever written were about girls in my singles ward. Oh, really? Yeah. So we find the story, we reach out to the people, ask them if they'd be interested in being interviewed. We do the interview and then afterward I transcribe it, which is my least favorite part of my job. (laughs) And then I just start writing. And it's funny because a lot of times people will say, oh, good for you, writing. I hate writing. And I think writing is just one of those things that some people love and some people hate. And for me, like if I can, everything else with my job, like I have to go to a lot of meetings and I edit other people's work and I don't love meetings, but if I can just sit down at my computer and write, it's the best stress release for me. And so if I can just sit down and start typing, I'm good to go. Tell me about what those stories are with your single from the YSA award. Like what stories were those? And so the first, I think you've interviewed Rosie card. Oh yes. So Rosie (laughs) was the first one and she was in my singles ward. I was in line for like a ward activity and this guy, Matt Banks, he turned around and he was like talking to me about work and stuff. And he's just a super nice guy. And he said, have you ever heard Rosie's story? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, she was like a model in New York. And and he starts telling me about her. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's gold. Yeah. And so we wrote Rosie's story. And then the other was about actually one of my best friends, Chelsea Hightower. Oh, yeah. So she is she was my visiting teacher. That's how we met. And she and she's on Dancing with the Stars for people who don't know Chelsea. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So she's on Dancing with the Stars. And so you think you can dance before that. Most people, they they like love Bleeding Love, that dance that she did. Anyway, that's like the iconic one from So You Think You Can Dance. But she is still one of my best friends. And when, when I wrote the story about her, it was actually super stressful because they wanted me to write it in first person to like establish the fact that we were friends like Rosie I didn't really know so it didn't really matter but in Chelsea's situation we were best friends and so they wanted me to kind of clarify that and be transparent about the fact that we were friends and so that was kind of a totally different style of writing that I hadn't really done before So it's an interesting situation to write a story about someone that you're super close to because you want people to know how incredible that person is. They're in your life for a reason. And you want people to know, in in Chelsea's case, I wanted people to know she is honestly one of the most faithful people I've ever met in my life. And I wanted people to know that, but I also recognized that by portraying someone as perfect, you don't do them any favors either. And so there was this balance that we were trying to strike. And I think that we were able to do it, but that story, I 
kind of made myself like physically sick that the day (laughs) writing it because I just wanted I wanted to do her justice but I also wanted I didn't want to like open it her up to criticism so that was an interesting experience so one of the things that's so cool that I like this is the podcast coming full circle is that Rosie was Rosie Card was one of my first interviews and she just talks about in that interview like how she was struggling and it was like she she prayed and she said heavenly father i have this year you know i'll give to you and then i really need this business to work out and it was coming up on a year you know she'd exhausted all of her money and she hadn't gotten the orders and then she's like and then i got the desert news article and it changed everything so i love that you're the answer. You were the answer to prayer. <laughs> oh, it was, that is a really interesting experience. That whole thing was a really interesting experience. And it was cool. I always tell Rosie, it's a really good thing that she actually was able to follow through on everything that she had said she was going to do. Right. Yeah. And I think I had total confidence in the fact that she would but that's kind of a risk that you run in sometimes with these companies that are just getting started and stuff we don't I actually know how it's going to turn out and so you're kind of like well I sure hope she can deliver on all of these orders <laughs> for dresses yeah. but the neat thing is seeing how many of them actually do really take off and I I joke that I should go into venture capital because yeah, I think <laughs> I I think I have a I think I have an eye for companies that are going to be successful. I don't know. <laughs> well, I would love for you to talk on that part because you get to walk. I feel like when I was you know researching the stories that you've done, kind of walk two lines. You get to talk about like these stories of of people who are up and coming. You know, they have businesses and they're doing cool things, and then you also get to share your perspective because you are a young single adult and and you also are able to share your perspective of like things that are happening in the church. So I love that. So will you kind of speak on the things that you get to cover and the differences between both? Absolutely. So I am the web producer. My title is senior web producer and I am over the faith section. So Traditionally, the web producer doesn't really write, but when I took this job, my my boss previously, she had a baby, and so she decided to stay home, and they asked me to take her position, and I said, I'll do it, but I have to be able to write. I Writing is my favorite part of my job, and so I agreed to take the job and they've been so good about giving me opportunities to write and to write a wide variety of things. And so my team is responsible for features. So we write a lot of faith features and specifically, normally those are in the Mormon Times section of the paper and then online they're in our faith section. So I've written a lot of faith features about people and and their stories. I've also had some opportunities to cover news type stuff. The most recent example of that, I think, would be we did a story about Josh and Lolly Weed um, and kind of looked at the LGBT community within the LDS church, and that was an incredibly rewarding experience for me. And then I also sometimes have the chance to write things from my own perspective. 
So I have written a few couple op-eds. I joke that I'm on an annual basis for an op-ed. <laughs> I write one a year. Uh, and then they also have run some blog posts. So I have a blog. It's called alittlepencil.com. And they have sometimes run my blog posts, which has also been fun. Because I think when you write for a newspaper, people see your byline. They may read your bio at the bottom, but they don't really know who you are. But if they can connect with you as a person and understand who you are, then they're more interested in the things that you have to say about anything. Yeah. And so to be able to share what's actually in my heart rather than just other people's stories has been really fun for me. Oh, so that's really great because I was, uh, you know, I was on your blog and looking at the stuff and I was like, oh, some of these articles are, you know, are in the Desert News. So you wrote those first for your blog and then they brought them over to Desert News. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. And in some of those, you are sharing your perspective on being a young single adult, right? What's the what's the dynamic in Desert News? Like, are you kind of young or are there other young people or... Like, what's your dynamic there? Last year, in January, they combined both the digital side of Deseret News and the print side. So the digital side, there were a lot more people around my age. And then the, the print side, you had a lot of people who have been here for a long time. And when they combined us together, it's, it's created a really interesting mix and I would say, I mean, I feel like we have a pretty good variety of people that are different ages. So that's, it's kind of neat. And, and we actually have a lot more diversity than I think people would imagine. So yeah, I, I feel like as far as like age wise, we have some older, some younger. Perfect. Oh, that's perfect. Because when I read yours, I really love I really love your perspective and that you're giving a voice to young single adults because because they need a voice, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think that that is one thing that I felt really blessed to be able to do. And I don't think I am like some kind of great mouthpiece for young single adults or something. But I do think I've been given a platform and an opportunity to talk about some things that I think I think being a young single adult in the church sometimes, and I think this is true of a lot of different people in different life situations, but sometimes you can feel like you don't really have a place in the church. And for me, I feel like the young single adults of the church have so much to contribute. And I have been so blessed by the people that I've been able to meet and through the singles, through my single stake and wards that I've been in. And I, I actually joke that ward that I was in with Rosie and Chelsea, it was like the best. Like we, we sometimes see each other, like everybody's kind of gone their separate ways, but we see each other and we just like talk about it. Like it was like the glory days (laughs) or something. But honestly, like the people that I've met, I feel like we need to utilize those people and their skills and the contributions that they can make to the church. So what would be your advice for um, the young single adults, you know, and how they can maybe like, you know, take their place in like in their ward or whatever. And then what would you tell uh, people who are not YSA people about 
like using them and utilizing them and their and how they can be such an asset? So first, with young single adults, I feel like we need to use our voices. We need to be examples of faithfulness and we need to continue to utilize the skills and talents that we've been given to contribute, not just in our wards and stakes, but outside of that as well. And then for other people, I would say, I don't know, like what you, what you call other people, like family ward people. Um, I would say that use those young single adults, like get to know the young single adults in your area, especially in Utah, like they're your neighbors. So get to know them. And if they have like skills that they can contribute, like if they can come speak to your young women about something or whatever, use them. We want to be used and we want to contribute. And so I think that's, that would be my advice there. Perfect. So for those of you who may not be members of um, the Mormon Church, let me just stop right here and just clarify a few things. So YSA is, stands for Young Single Adult. And <clears throat> excuse me, these are people that haven't been married yet. And so a lot of times they make up their own ward or congregation to go to. And it's separate from like a regular ward where it, there's families in there. And they do that so that they can do special activities, that they can date and do things just for young single adults so that it's more fun. It's a little more fun, maybe. <laughs> Sometimes it is more fun. And it's a lot more quiet. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was like, I bet your church is super quiet. That's the best benefit, I think. (laughs) Kids screaming is weird. And now a small break. A word from those who make this podcast possible. This podcast is powered by Entreport. Entreport is our number one business tool. It literally does it all email marketing, sales funnels, automation, and it basically keeps your business running even when you're sleeping. Not only is Entreport the backbone of our businesses, but you can design a full-blown website using their customizable landing pages. It is the one-stop powerhouse shop where we keep our email lists, growth, marketing goals, and businesses at their very best. Check out the show notes or jump on thewomenwithfire.com slash Entreport to get started. And now back to the Women With Fire podcast. All right. I want to know, what are some of your favorite stories that you've covered and or like wonderful people that you've met? Like what, what is that like? <laughs> oh, I cannot even begin to tell you. The other day I was going through a list So I've actually, you've mentioned like the number that's in my bio of how many stories I've written. That probably needs to be updated because (laughs) I'm not sure when that number was put there. But the other day I was going through like a list of stories and we have like, I think there are like 10 on a page on Deseret News. It may be a little bit less than that, but I had like 49 pages of stories and 
not all of those are features. A lot of those are like little quick link off things or whatever, but many of those are features. And for me, many of those represent people that have changed my life. And I just, I feel so lucky to be able to meet these people and to be able to have their trust enough to write their stories. I recognize that when you interview someone, they're really putting so much trust in your hands. And that's not something that I've ever taken lightly. And so for me, there are countless people. Like I still remember the first person that I interviewed when I was an intern and she was incredible. But I think if I had to pick, there are three stories that are all about people that have passed away. So two of them, I actually never met the people. Um, One was a bishop in D.C., And his name is Nate Graham. And he passed away on a business trip in China. And it was just like very sudden. He had sepsis. And so he just passed away in his hotel room. And we found out about it. And I started reaching out to people that knew him. And it was amazing. It was like, it was right before Christmas, I think, when I wrote the story. I think it was right after Thanksgiving, maybe. And I started interviewing all these people, and it was like, it's a wonderful life. Like, no lie. Everyone just talked about how he had impacted their lives. And I thought, here's this guy who just thought he was leading a normal life, and yet he changed all of these people's lives. And maybe he didn't even know it. But Nate Graham would be one. And then there's another guy named Greg Madsen, who I actually, I saw this video. Somebody posted a video of all these paddle boards and surfboards out in the ocean. And they were like all circled up. And I was like, what is this? And so I started looking into it and turns out it was all of these friends of Greg Madsen's. They did this paddle out to honor him. He had passed away from cancer. And so I was like, I want to write a story about this, but I didn't really know what I was writing the story about. So I start doing interviews and all of the people that I interviewed, like his wife, his friends from college, all of them, they'd be like, and tell me again why you're writing this story. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I honestly (laughs) didn't know why I was writing it. I just felt like for some reason there was some purpose that we were supposed to tell his story. And so I start interviewing all these people and Greg Madsen was like a rock star in the form of like a normal Joe Schmo guy. And he had all these quotes that people would just, they called them Greg Madsenisms and they would just quote him like, and they all told like the same ones, you know, like he had these like staple quotes and he changed people's lives. He made them want to be better. And in reading the blog that he kept and in interviewing all these people that knew him, he changed my life too. And he had already passed away. And then lastly, there was a girl named Kristen Sumbot. And you may recognize her name. She was in, she's been in some of the LDS church. They did a Easter video and she was in it. She uh, found out that she had a tumor the like the day after she gave birth to her first son. And I actually interviewed Kristen 
while she was battling cancer. She had already had cancer once and she was diagnosed with this tumor and she fought cancer. She actually outlasted their diagnosis for how long she would live, but eventually she passed away. And that story, it was interesting when she passed away, she was the first person that I had ever interviewed that had that passed. I had, I had written other things about people with terminal diseases and they lived. And so I don't know if I had just come to kind of expect like that kind of miracle. But when I found out that she passed away, I cried all day long. And my boss, he said, you know, we've written a couple of things about Kristen. Should we do something to let people know that she passed away? And at first I was like, no, I, I can't do that. And nor do I really want to. Um, but that evening I found myself sitting down at my computer and I just started typing how I felt about her passing away and we ended up running it and it was written in first person and I got a a message later from her family thanking me because they said they didn't write an obituary here they ran one in Nevada where she was from but many people knew her here and that that had kind of served as an obituary for her. Um, but the, the interesting thing about all three of these is that in the process of dying and in the process of learning more about these people, they really taught me how to live. And that is something that I, I think, it, I think if all of us could see the impact that we're having in this life and the, the lives that we're touching, the people that we're blessing, we would recognize that we're much more important than we currently think that we are. And that's what they kind of taught me is that we, we don't have to be famous or we don't have to, it's not based on how many followers you have on Instagram. Life is about the lives that you touch and the people that that you change. And sometimes that continues even after we've passed away. So what I love most about those three stories that you told is that these were not some famous people, right? I think that when we look at uh, journalists or, you know, people who get to meet these people who are doing amazing things, we you know, we, we go towards the celebrities, but it's really those people who are doing really amazing real life lives, right? That we can relate to that are really the ones that change us. And I think with a lot of um, women who are listening are business owners. And, and I think that we get hung up on numbers and likes and comments and those kinds of things, but it's really about the individual lives that we're helping and changing. And when we can see that in our businesses and in our work, uh, that's when magic happens because we're focused on the one and how we can serve. And then that translates to success. I just know it does. <laughs> right. Um, no, I totally agree. So I want to know from you, how have you seen God's hand in your work? Now, I know that he got you to Desert News, you know, but whenever I'm preparing for interviews or or anything like that, like I try to be so prayerful about it because I I know that I have a voice, right? I have a voice and with this podcast I'm talking to women and I'm and I'm trying to help them spiritually and and turn to God and so I take that responsibility really seriously and I would imagine especially 
with like Deseret News Reach and being YSA and like so many things that you probably feel a lot of pressure. So can you kind of talk me through like any experiences that you've had where you feel like you knew God was with you or maybe even your process before you interview that gets you like spiritually in the right place? Just tell me everything. (laughs) Okay. So as far as seeing God in my work, I feel like I rely so heavily on the Spirit and on our Heavenly Father's help. I often pray before I do interviews and I pray before I write the story or in the middle of the story if I'm having a hard time getting going. But an example of a time when I felt God helping me would be most recently, it was this story that I referenced earlier about Josh and Lolly Weed. So Josh Weed and his wife, Lolly, they wrote a blog post five years ago. And in that post, Josh Weed explained that he had same-sex attraction, but he was married to a woman. And they have kind of been very open in the past five years about their experiences. And then just a few months ago, they announced that they were getting a divorce. And I was asked to write the story for Deseret News about that. And it was terrifying. I felt so afraid because I knew that this issue of homosexuality within the LDS church, and I'm sure in other religions as well, is something that weighs heavy on people's hearts. I think almost everyone at this point is affected in some way. They either love someone who struggles with same-sex attraction or they themselves have experienced it. And I didn't want to oversimplify something that really matters. And so I started interviewing. I interviewed Josh and Lolly, and I also interviewed a lot of other Latter-day Saints who also struggle with same-sex attraction. And what I found in interviewing them was a completely new perspective for me. I felt Heavenly Father teaching me and helping me feel His love for those people. I felt Him helping me understand this challenge more than I had ever understood it before. And I knew that he was helping me write that story. And I think that leads me to the biggest thing that I think I see over and over and over again in writing these stories is that God cares. He cares so much about his children. And I think that sometimes we underestimate or don't recognize his love as much as we should but his hand is in everyone's lives. And if I've seen it over and over and over and over again, I've seen it with people that are struggling with sicknesses. I've seen it with people who are struggling with other challenges. And I know that he lives and that he loves us and that he wants us to succeed. He wants us to be happy. And I think that we have so much to learn about him and about his ways and the way that he works. And I will spend my whole life trying to figure that out. But I think that my biggest takeaway in all of this is just that God lives and that he loves his children and that he's involved in their lives. 
that is amazing. It's um, it's an amazing perspective, and I I I think the really eternal truth is that like the hardest times or the hardest like obstacles we have are those usually the ones that bring us the closest to God, and that's what this is all about, right? Each quest that we're on, I call I think you know all those hard things. I call them quests. It makes it sound more fun. They really allow us to have faith in God and to show. Heavenly Father, that we trust him to get us through the most difficult things and the things that we just don't know how to do. So I really appreciate you sharing um, that because I would think one of the hardest things, like as someone who's writing in the news, is that they don't see, you mentioned this early, but they don't see that personal side of you. And so, like, you know, they're just reading your article as an article and instead of knowing, like, your perspective. And I think that would be um, a little challenging because... Because this is your, you know, writing is like your heart out there <laughs> and, and you, you do so much work in the, you know, on the back end to produce this article and then people just consume it without like kind of seeing your heart. And I think, I think that's hard. <laughs> it, it is. And I think that if, I think that's true of like everything, if we yeah. knew people's hearts, yeah. we would, we would better understand everything, but in my situation, sometimes I am like, I wish that people knew how scared I feel right now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. But you do a great job. And especially like, as I'm reading, because you're on the faith section and can do those kinds of articles, I, I feel like I know you through those. And I have met you in person for just a few seconds, but I have loved filling your spirit and your testimony through your articles. And so I think that is a special, special talent to be able to share your testimony in your writing in the news. So I'm so glad you, you uh, shared it with us. Well, thank you. I, I feel very fortunate. I don't think, I don't know if it's a talent as much as it's just a blessing. So yeah. Well, God gives us talent so that we can bless others. So it's okay to say it's a talent because that they're there. It's not for you. So it's for me. Well, thank thanks. you. <laughs> um, thank you, okay, Michelle. Morgan, thanks so much for being on the podcast. We absolutely love you. Keep writing. We love we love reading everything you're writing. Well, thank you. I'll, I'll... Hey, thanks for listening to the Women with Fire podcast. Your support means a lot to us. In fact, your support is what makes this podcast possible. If you want to connect more with the guests we've had on our podcast and connect more with Sarah and Michelle, the creators of the Women With Fire podcast, find us on Instagram at The Women With Fire or find us in our Facebook group. Simply search Women With Fire and join the group. We'll see you there.